This episode is sponsored by the Slang Self-Doubt Prayer Journal. Over the past four years, I have had the opportunity to help over 30 women identify, accept, and take action in the parts of their lives where they feel stuck. My heart's desire is to do that with every woman I come in contact with, but the truth is that's not realistic. So instead, I created a prayer journal that goes through that same journey. The Slang Self-Doubt Prayer Journal is designed for you to dig deep and answer questions that will pull out where you are stuck on your journey. The Slang Self-Doubt Prayer Journal consists of six sections of journal prompts and areas for reflections for when you want to dig a little deeper and um, just take your thoughts to another level. Whether it takes you six weeks or six months to complete, I promise you will not regret it. Head on over to my website at www.feliciawallace.com and select the books tab to make your purchase. If you are ready to find your fears and slay them, go to www.feliciawallace.com, select books and get your copy today. You're listening to the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast with Coach Felicia, where we empower Black women to overcome their doubts, fears, and insecurities in order to give birth to their God-given purpose. Join me and sometimes some of my friends on our journey as we remind you that you are not alone. I'm Felicia Wallace, and together we will find our fears and slay them. Welcome back to another episode of the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast. I am here with Juanita Ingram from Purpose Production. Hey, Juanita, how are you? Good, how are you? I am well. So I need you to tell the people, first of all, where you are located, because everybody over here know that I am in Prince George's County, Maryland. Where are you? I am in Singapore right now. (laughs) I just want y'all to know, for real, for real, Slaying Self-Doubt has gone international. Okay, like this is, this is, this is real, this is live right here. You are hearing it. You know, when you watch your, uh, your analytics and your podcast and you're like, is somebody actually listening in this country? Like, I don't know. Like, is it a bot? Either way, I count it. It don't matter. But for sure today, I know that in Singapore, Ms. Juanita is right across from me. So I am. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for um, agreeing to do this. And I can't wait to hear your story because it is so interesting. Oh, thank you so (laughs) much for having me. I appreciate it. I I appreciate you finding it interesting. So thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started? Sure. I am originally from Tennessee, um, Chattanooga to be exact. And I I am a lawyer uh, by trade. So I Mm -hmm. started out practicing law for many years. This is actually will make my 20th year. Let's go. Practicing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I went, went straight through undergrad, um, did my JD MBA. And I always knew that I wanted to be in business. I always knew that uh, my undergrad is in accounting. So I knew I wanted to be in business. I like mm-hmm. helping mm-hmm. other people. Started out at a law firm um, in corporate law, commercial law, real estate, contracts, all things transactional. That was me. And um, got married and my husband's job, uh, I guess, you know, yeah, three years into the, the uh, three years into the marriage, uh, uh, my husband's job moved us to London. Oh, wow. And so that was 10 years ago. And that was our first international move. And after that, I figured out that I needed to think a little broadly because lawyers don't talk well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only licensed where I'm licensed. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> so, uh, but it gave me an opportunity to sort of take a pause and decide one, what area of law I really wanted to do, what I really enjoyed. And then also um, a pause to do other things mm-hmm. that were inside that I hadn't taken the time to do because I just didn't have the time. I was a young mother, um, you know, my, my day, I was considered a success if I was a good lawyer and a mom and I showered. I mean, yeah. you know, that order. That's real. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was really all I had time to do. When we moved to London, I took a pause because I had to mm-hmm. from the traditional practice of law. I started researching a bit about what other lawyers did when they stepped outside of the traditional role of practicing law. I started acting when I was a child. My mother is a retired musician, teacher. Uh, She got us in the arts very early on. I was in theater since I was nine. 
started performing on stage when I was nine. Yeah. I played five instruments. So I had suppressed this sort of creative side. Yes. Okay. Five instruments. So you just great. Yes. So you grazed well, over top of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, I was drum major in high school and then I went to Tennessee State University and I marched all four years in the band there. So I, I always was into performing. Yeah. Always into that side. But then I just adulted. You know, so I, I blame my parents for this left brain, right brain thing that I have going on. My dad's a CFO of a university. My mom's this real artsy. She plays every instrument. She's mm. a real artsy person. So it's their fault completely <laughs> um, that I can't pick a side. And I decided to start writing books that I had stored inside of me that I had never written mm. and just had to pour them out. I decided to think about like, maybe I should go get an agent. Let's just see if I go audition in London and get an agent. Let's see what happens. I always felt like I could act, but I started back training mm. and actually going to school for that and actually going to class. And I got my first um, independent feature film, first Best Actress nomination. Yes. So might be something here. Then it was time to move back. And I started adulting again, but this time I opened my own practice for a bit. And I had some clients in the entertainment, uh, unscripted reality space. Mm-hmm. So I was on set a lot, did a lot of deals and things like that, and really saw that there was a void in that genre. Uh, and by that time, I had already started creating my own opportunities because we moved to Indiana. Indiana's not really SAG certified. We don't have any tax film credits. There's not really a whole, whole lot yeah. going on unless you make your own opportunities. So a couple of years into doing so, I created uh, Purpose Production because production companies are just a way of handling the money. You know, shows and, and things like that, you've got to find a way to finance it and it's a way to handle the money. But I decided to do a nonprofit mm-hmm. so that mm. we more mission focused. Yeah. So we are on the marginalized narratives, uh, people who otherwise wouldn't have a voice, storylines that are um, otherwise untouchable, wouldn't necessarily be interested in particularly empowering women of color. Yes. So, uh, I decided right before we left London that I felt like, well, nobody really sees the world that I see. Because mm. in the unscripted or reality space, it's always sort of the same narrative for us. You know, always. I feel like we get a chance to be normal. They get to be a chance to just be like, Chris Lee knows best is one of my favorite shows. I think they got love to life. She is. She's her. so funny <laughs> I love I love that to death I, I love her and I just think that is awesome but we don't get to do that yeah if we are in reality we're fighting uh black men are shiftless they can't keep a job yeah they, families black women it's always it's like trauma porn you know it's yeah like, oh, oh yes we're always you know in a negative space and that's not to say that we don't have that within our own community yeah but that's we are black people on a monolith and when i looked around in my expat world uh which is usually predominantly white but i just so happen to attract all the black people everywhere i go <laughs> so um when i looked around though one day I, we were having a barbecue frankie beverly and Mays was playing beyonce was playing barbecue kids were running around it was like 30 of us we used to do these things called soul food sundays we would rotate houses and then i looked up in the background and there was windsor castle because wow. that's where we were and I looked out and everybody was a director, a vice president, a manager, like doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, and all black. Yeah. And I sat there and I said, you know, no one ever shows this type of reality, this mm. type of show, especially in an international setting. So I had the idea for the show then. I worked on the treatment. It wasn't until like four years later um, when we were moving again mm. away from America that I felt like, okay, now is the time. And I started pitching. Nobody understood what I was talking about. They were like, travel show. What do you mean? These black people living abroad. What on earth is an expat? What are you talking about? Yeah. They they didn't get it. So I felt like, and it goes with the ethos of my nonprofit. I mean, these are stories that otherwise, if we didn't do it, it may never be done. Yeah. Nobody would know. Yeah. And I have a a lawyer agent who I love dearly. um, And she works a lot with, minority talent and people who are creators and she told me when I came to her I saw I filmed an entire show basically made this show called the Expats International Ingram nice never shuts off so I the same way I draft contracts I draft from the end and then I back into the contract Mm -hmm. 
I was trained and I draft for like worst case scenario, then I back into. <laughs> so right. for me, I planned like worst case scenario, you have no sponsors, you have no production company that's going to help you with this. There's no network. What are you going to do? Yeah. And that's how I, I backed into it. Um, we ended up on Amazon Prime in the US and UK. Yes. Ended up on the ballot for the Emmys. Didn't get a nomination, but we were on the ballot. Hey, hey uh, listen, one that's one step in. Okay. We, <laughs> we got certified as an Emmy eligible program. Um, and so, you know, it, we're filming season two right now. Uh, first season was my family going to uh, Taiwan. We were mm. actually there for two years, just moved to Singapore. Uh, but we showcase a lot of other Black expats and their journeys and how they got to Taiwan from students to teachers, digital nomads, the yeah. whole lot, just to show us in that light. Is it very family friendly? We've gotten like 19 film festival awards and nominations. Come on. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's new, it's different, it is family friendly, it is also honest and yeah. genuine. Um, not necessarily produced in the same way because oftentimes people get tired of reality tv yeah you see the same thing you it's a it's a rinse and repeat you know you know a lot of times they do the same characters you after a while you started like i already know what this is gonna be like i already know what this is gonna be like you may watch it just out of curiosity but not you know not really so in the beginning i said it was so interesting that you were kind of like i mean i guess like but the reality is that growing up like that what you are doing is 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 an exception to the rule, right? The rule is that you have to grow up, go to school, go to college, get a good job, raise your family, stay in the same state you are. Maybe you take a vacation, maybe you don't, you know, get your benefits. All of these things that are like, it's just like these stepping stones that you have to do every single time. And we get, we, we, and when I say we, like as the black community, we get so comfortable in the, what is I consider our norm because which I, you know, I totally understand from how we started to where we are now. Some of it is a sense of security that you can't understand. Like, the outside part even when you talk about people leaving their jobs right it's like what you leaving your job to go do what to be a entrepreneur or to stay at home or to try this out and so when I'm saying like yes it's interesting is because I always feel like even like you said you did the the regular adulting thing right I I always feel like I wish I had traveled more when it was just me. I wish that I was able to see more of the world. Like now I'm in a space where I'm like, I want to see the entire world, but I got kids and <laughs> we're in this transitional phase. And right now we are in a space where we just gonna have to figure it out. Right. But if we allowed ourselves to like, think like, no, you bring your kids with you. And then they, the, the, life experiences they get being in a different culture in a different country in a different culture and those type of things like I encourage my sons like live outside of here go somewhere else figure like see what you like one of my sons he's really into um uh cooking and so I'm like listen you can go to culinary school and then you can go study in any country that you like Anywhere. Pick, pick yeah. somewhere the food that you like go study on and get get ingrained like get the culture ingrained in you and and then you could come back like once you go you can always come back and I think that that so when I say it's cool it's cool because you even though your job took you you know your husband's job took you there mm-hmm. your mindset wasn't like okay well it wasn't it didn't stay in the space of just like this is what we have to do and we have to continue this even here like you broaden your horizon so that other people can see what it's like um and so yes that is very interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think um especially for kids I think the one of the biggest compliments besides all the you know you can see back all these trophies and awards yes uh the big one of the biggest compliments I had was someone um was in my inbox and it was a grandmother and she was like I finally have something that my grandbabies, I can sit down, I can let them watch it, I can press play. I don't have to worry about what's on there. But I also know that it's doing something for them to see young Black children Mm -hmm. in these international spaces. Like For me to tell them, you know, my kids have seen 23 countries now. Mm. And just not only for kids, but for parents as well, because, uh, and Keenan and I, I think it was in episode four, 
of the first season. We went where we went to see Taiwan. It's called a look-see trip. Mm. And we went to see what it was like before we decided to move there. And um, I filmed while we were doing while we were doing it. <laughs> but we were walking and talking about what the journey was like to get to this place. And the first time that we moved, um, it was interesting because when we first got married, everybody was telling us to go on a honeymoon, like go local, like go to Florida, Cancun, Punta Cana. And I was, a, I'm a prayerful person. And I mm-hmm. prayed and I was like, I told him, and I had no reason to think this. There was nothing, not like his job was talking to him yeah. about any financial opportunities at all. And I told him, I said, I think we ought to go to an international country, like go out of the country. Mm-hmm. I never left the country before my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. 27, like, like most folks in America. Yep. I never, yep. and, but God, I honestly feel like God placed it on my heart. Like you're going to have an international life. Yeah. I told him, I said, I really feel like this is going to be something that we're going to need to do. So we went to Rome and Florence for our honeymoon yes. against objections and against people say, why you got to go so far? You know, why can't you just go down to Florida? Florida's yeah. nice. <laughs> you know, like, and why you got to do all that? Yeah. And so every year after that, we made a commitment to take one international trip. And this is before we had kids. Yeah. Um, and then we, we backpacked across Rome the next year, we went to Paris the following year. Then I started having kids and then it was time for us to move. I don't feel like we would have been confident enough to say, yes, we can live in another country had we not traveled so so much, much prior to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We, were, we were horrible as travelers in the beginning we trashed <laughs> like we all packed i didn't have right luggage we were carrying candy packs everybody was a pickpocketer we were so scared it was yeah but i think one of the things that you said was like god put that in your spirit before it even you didn't even know what it was and i think it's um um just I've always the the intentionality of like how God works that he does we don't know why certain things happen at a certain time but when we look back over our lives and we say oh I know exactly when he planted that seed I know exactly when he was like you don't you don't know what this is for but I'm giving you this so that you you're going to be able to carry it and so um not careful you'll let other people talk you out of your special moment with that absolutely and whether you know whether you're believing whatever you believe in whether it's trusting your gut trusting your intuition trusting whatever feeling that you have Mm -hmm. trusting the ideas that come to you you know as a creative sometimes people will try to make you seem like you're crazy yep um even even as a believer like people yeah you know Oh, I, you already tell me. Look, my audience know I done done some crazy, some what would seem like crazy things. But when you know that God put something on you, there literally is you can't explain it because it's not no. from you. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not going to make sense to the people who don't need to understand. But the people who do understand will be like, I know exactly why you made that move. Yeah. Well, and I tell people all the time, you know, when God calls you to do something, it's not always a conference call. No, no, it's not. Everybody's not on the line. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Everybody's not always on and it's okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, because every time we moved, I quit a legal job. Like I was an attorney at Rolls Royce the first time we left to go to London. And people, you know, that's yeah, when that's, a big, a, that's a big deal right there. I got a very black friend, black family, <laughs> black circle. They're like, you're quitting that good job. Right, you know? right, right. right. <laughs> you get money. You know, like, are you sure about this to go follow this, this, you know. And then he became to go follow this guy. I'm like, we've been married. <laughs> this guy is and he just some random, right? Like, it's like, no, just, this, yeah. But you, but, right. but even at that, um, because you work so hard to become an attorney, mm-hmm. sometimes your level is someone else's plateau. Mm. And they will project onto you when you've reached their plateau or their dream yeah yeah they would love to be and god's just getting started with you yeah no that's real like you know i'm i've been a lawyer since i was 25 like nobody plateaus at 25 and yes you can always up and grow and and i'm constantly growing i'm still licensed now i take hours of cle course you're always learning but that doesn't mean that you stop or that maybe that's all that God has for you at 25. There's nothing wrong if that is it. And yeah. there are ways to go. Because every my career grew. I, you know, became assistant general counsel. 
by the time I left for another company, by the time we moved to Taiwan. So there are ways to grow, but sometimes if you do things that are outside of the box, mm-hmm. people are so quick to put a lid on that box or to create yeah. a box. And maybe you were born with five boxes and not one, and they don't yep. understand that. So I think part of when you talk about slaying doubt, part of that is internal and external. Absolutely. I had to get a coach the first time we moved to London. I went through identity crisis because I said yes, because I already had this feeling. I knew it was coming. Kind yeah. of sort of what happened. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is great. But you, I still didn't take it to full account what it meant for me as the part of me that I was walking away from Ooh. and that transition. Yeah. And that I had to mourn the trajectory that I thought I was going to go on that I kind of liked. It's not yeah. like being a lawyer um but I had to give myself permission to mourn that other thing that I had planned for in order for me to fully embrace and walk into the opportunity and I hired a a life coach uh it was actually a career kind of life coach and it was phenomenal because the first person you have to convince is not the external yeah it's you first person is you and once you get it and you give yourself permission you don't really care what anybody else does. And it seemed like after that, everything fell into place. Everybody got it, you know, but before that I was flighty. People were calling me flighty. I was, you know, maybe having a midlife crisis. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I, at the time I was like, I'm only 35. That's not a midlife crisis. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> My goodness, it's just a career change. But um, she helped me to see the commonality of everything that I did and my own passions. Yeah. And I really was beyond what I did, who was Juanita, who am I, what drives, that's when the 3A alliteration really became obvious of attorney, author, actress. And it was like, once that was there, then everybody else was like, oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, because a lot of times people only see, they they only see one version of you, right? They only see the version that they want to be able to see. Some of it is whatever's comfortable for them, because if you are a different, if you were just, you're just the attorney, right? Then they like, oh yeah, this is my friend. But the minute you level up into the next thing of, you know, author, it's like, now, wait a minute, like, Who who do you think you are to think that you can do that and that? And then you level uh-huh. up again, you know, and you kind of find yourself in this interesting space. And, yeah. You know, I started, I started doing pageants when I was 30 because um, I didn't even know there was a Mrs. Division. And so I started competing in the Mrs. Division. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. <laughs> ended up, yeah, I ended up like uh, I was the first black woman to be Mrs. Indiana, USA. Let's go. And after I competed a couple of times, um, when we moved to the UK, I was Mrs. UK World, yes. Mrs. UK Universe, and went on to be Miss World International. And I still have people like, this. when did you do beauty pageants? You know, so it doesn't matter how when many I, times. When I, when, I, when, I, when I signed up, <laughs> that's when I started. <laughs> when I started winning, that's when I started doing them. You know, right. but if I, if I said that, then I'm arrogant. Right. You know what I'm but, exactly. But you have people that will question, and I knew that God had called me to do that because I didn't want to do it, but right. I was being asked to speak at like schools and in girls groups. And I asked God, you gotta be careful what you ask mm-hmm. for. I asked God, I was like, Hey, um, I love this. How can I, how can I do this more? How can you, you, I said, use me, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you gotta be careful when you say that. And then he whispered pageants and I was like, nah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I already know I'm cute. I don't need nobody to judge me. Um, But then he took me to the book of Esther. And I saw that pageants had purpose. Mm. And when you enter them with a purpose and a meaning and an intention behind it, you can really empower other people. If you can use it as a platform, you can break feelings and stereotypes and barriers and really help other. I wanted to help other young girls see themselves in a particular way. So there was purpose in it all. That's why I named my production yeah. company Purpose. But the self-doubt is always um, there, whether you let it in or whether it's someone else inviting them into your space to give you their opinion of what it is that you're doing. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I was going to ask you, how self-doubt has shown up in your journey. 
If you've been listening to this podcast or following me on social media for a while and you're ready to start your journey to healing or you're ready to confront your doubts and insecurities, there are three ways I can help. First, you can download the journal prompt from my website. Use this as a guide to get back on track with where God is calling you. Secondly, you can go to my website and purchase the Slang Self-Doubt Prayer Journal. Using this prompt and journal will pull out where you are stuck on your journey. These questions will force you to dig deep and find your fears. Lastly, if you're ready to invest in your healing journey and work directly with me, book a 30-minute connection call with me today. This allows us to see if we are a good fit for each other. So head on over to my website, www.feliciawallace.com to do one or all three of these. That's www.feliciawallace.com. Now back to the show. Oh yeah. Uh, well, constantly it, it, it showed up yesterday. Like it constantly, <laughs> it's, it's going to keep showing up because yeah. you, time you keep doing new things and, um, something that stretches you, you know, the mm-hmm. only things that aren't growing are things that are dead. Yeah. Plants grow unless they die. Right. And so we, unless we're dead, but mm-hmm. our growth sometimes triggers things in other people that are choosing not to grow. Growth mm. is a choice. And so, for us, the word. we're bold enough and comp and and crazy enough, but bold enough and confident enough to to step into different levels of growth, re- regardless of the naysayers, regardless of the people who don't get it. Um, you will trigger something sometimes in people because your growth makes them feel uncomfortable at the choices that they made. Mm. So they'll project certain things onto you or attempt to if you let them. And, and, you know, it's, and it, it's not intentional. It's not from a negative place. It's not, not always, sometimes it is. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of those too, you know, because haters are real. Right. But it's not always where people are coming from. Sometimes people are just, that is their norm. Like I, I love my attorney dearly. Her mindset was you shouldn't have filmed your own show because, you know, now it's going to be hard for a network to attach themselves to it because, it's, a, it's intellectual property. You mm-hmm. own it. Right. And at the same time as Black people, we're constantly like, oh, we need to own our own narrative. Yes, yes. We need to own our own stories. Well, you can't have it both ways. Right, yeah. You, know, you can't have somebody come in often and, and take your show and you remain 100% in control of the narrative. Yeah. If someone else finance it, that's very rare. Yeah. And even, you know, I look at Issa Rae as like my, I love goat. her. She is, like she, she is definitely the goat. <laughs> she did, you know, awkward black girl for years on YouTube on her own, on mm-hmm. her own dime with only her friends to help her. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into insecure and then she gets different. But the, the seat at the table is different when you've already established a foundation yeah. of something that people want. This is how they want it. It gives you validation because if not, I would have the show and it would have turned into Real Housewives of Singapore. Right. <laughs> but we talk, you know, Taiwan, which we already have. There's nothing Basically. wrong with Yeah. Oh, I watch them. I love all. Me reality. too. It's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> it's mindless. You know, you don't have to think about it. It's an escape. It's a mm-hmm. great experience. You get to explore different things and see different things. I think the problem for Black people is that we just don't have enough diversity within yeah. our own relatives in that space. No, I, de- it, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Within the industry, it's like on one hand, oh, we need to own our own narratives. You know, you need to step out of the box. But then on the other hand, when you do it, it's like, oh, but it's just that. And Amanda Seals said this the other day, and I thought it was so brilliant. The problem is that in our industry that's full of, you know, creatives and artists mm-hmm. is not run by creatives and artists. Nope. They're not artists. And it, uh, most attorneys are not also actresses and also, you know, yeah. have this duplicative hybrid, uh, multi-hyphenate experience. A lot mm. of us are, but many of us aren't. Yeah. And so people who are making these decisions to give us content mm. um, are not always really in tune and don't have a pulse on what we really want to see. Yeah. And so I'll never forget the first time. And I'm just going to say, I'm going to say it because it, it is what it is. But I, I had my a uh, show shopper pitched to own this was mm. a year ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a panel of five white men. And those five white men basically told me that my demographic, black, female, aged 25 to 55, 
you know, middle class to affluent, college educated, that they didn't want to see black well, people. Well, I can tell you that that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Those are the people that are making the decision. Now, Oprah has nothing to do with that. They're right, yeah. Really, I mean, they do it on like that. But these people who are in the position to give us what they think we want. And it's like, no, you're giving us the same thing of what works. Yeah, right. To take a chance on something that hasn't been proven to be. Yeah. And I think the other thing that when you said that, what came up for me was like, um, you know, we talk about things, you know, just in nature of like stuff being like systematically set up for us. Right. And so if you continue to show the same thing, and this would be something completely different. It, it If you were able to open someone's mind to be able to say like, this is possible because that's exactly what you're doing, you know, then that allows for someone else who's watching it to be able, like, I can do that too. I can do that too. And then now you've created, you know, you've created something else. And, and a lot of times with those people who are in those positions to be able to say yes or no, know that if that gets in front of the right people, they got a whole they. <laughs> They got a problem on their hands, right? Like everybody's yeah. gonna be trying to 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 move, and you got to keep it the way it is, so that you stay at the level. I'm telling you, no, you're not ready for this. It's the control of your own possibilities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because exposure equals opportunity equals mind shift. Yeah, opportunity. You know, it it it's a whole shift in the culture. So if you put and that, you know, we got a, some some backlash. I didn't know. That the, I should have put a trigger warning on the show because it was some white people that really didn't like seeing, you know, happy black people. <laughs> I was like, I should have put it like, if you don't like seeing happy black people, don't watch this. Right, show. right, right. If you don't like seeing successful black. Seriously, yeah. I did not. I did. That was the only thing in creating the show that I did not anticipate because I didn't make the show for them. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't plan or think about what am I going to do the day that a white person attacks this show. I didn't yeah. really think about it because I didn't really think that anyone would really care. Yeah. You know, I thought that they would stop looking because if that bothers you, there's plenty of other shows. Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. Go to another show where we, if you're if you're happier seeing us fight and flip tables and throw drinks and, you there's know. Another, I, there's another I, station I, for that. You can find that easily. Easily. There's something for everybody. But this is... You know, I tell people all the time, if like Christy knows best and Blackish had a baby and they decided to raise it abroad, that's what this <laughs> that's show what it is. <laughs> and if you don't like that, and there are some people, they're like, oh, it's too lavish. It's too extravagant. And I'm like, I know that normalizing Black women in luxury mm-hmm, is a new mm-hmm. thing for some people. Normalizing Black people and being um, comfortable. I won't even say affluent because what is affluent? What does yeah. that even mean? Yeah. being comfortable and not struggling economically it's okay for real housewives of beverly hills or mm-hmm. orange county to do, mm-hmm. but not not black people and if you, you know? are doing it you have to be a certain like it needs to be oh that makes sense because they're a celebrity yeah. oh that makes sense because they are you know uh, uh um you know uh into in the entertainment business like they already are known so it makes sense that that person would be in that situation but when you see regular folk said I'm making a choice to live my life this way and I've done well for myself and this is how I choose to live then it's like now wait a minute if the rest of (laughs) y'all then you then you also have like a black man Mm. raised by you know single parent household his mom was single mom um, my husband graduated from Duke with his MBA, you know, has just made good choices, yeah. worked really hard, um, and, you know, did not have a father in his life. Yeah. But then to other young Black men who see that mm-hmm. as an option, mm-hmm. who is an uh, idea of success is not wrapped around sports, it's yep. not wrapped, you know, the, just the idea that you should go to college or that when you start that new job, maybe you should have a conversation and think about, do I want to work abroad? Yeah. Is that something that I want to do? Even to put it in the mind of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, we had another person on our show, a couple of people on our show, who majored in different languages, mm. studied abroad in college. The concept of being a foreign exchange student, especially this season, I'm yeah. really excited about season two, um, because we there's another young man on the show who is absolutely brilliant 
He is in his 20s. Uh, his parents are Jamaican, Canadian, grew up in, in Midwest, but has lived everywhere um, and is in diversity and inclusion, working in banking and in marketing. Uh, and he is just absolutely brilliant. But he talked about being one of the only Black people that even applied to study abroad. Mm. And they got a full scholarship and a full, he was like, there's so much money out there yeah. that we don't even know about, opportunities yeah. that we don't even know about. You put that kind of information out there. Everybody is not checking for that. And it's yeah. not because it's not entertaining. It's not because, and that was a part of the reason why I backed into it and said, okay, I'm going to get this on the ballot for the Emmys. So no one can tell me, well, it's not quality. Yeah. I'm going to get this on Amazon Prime. So no one can tell me, well, there's an issue with the production. It's yeah. not that I'm going to get all these telly awards for production. So no one can tell me, yeah. you know, we're in 4K, you know, HRD, we're 5.1, you know, um, stereo sound. No one's going to be able to tell me that it was something else other than yeah. this narrative is one that is stereotype breaking. It is glass ceiling breaking. It yeah. is not asking for a seat at the table. It is a table. It is a table. It, it, is, it is what it is. And so that, and this follows the ethos of why I created my production company. Cause you don't, as a creative, you don't want to just create something just to do it. Yeah. You want to be able to tell a story that's never been told. That's very rare mm -hmm. that you get the opportunity to do that. And I just felt like it was a big responsibility that God enabled us to be in this environment. And I was like, okay, what do you want me to do with it? But everybody's not always happy to see that some people really do like for us to have the same, you know, mindset. Yeah. You want to see growth. It's not just a race thing too. Cause I, a couple of, out of the 122 comments on Amazon for the first season, I'd say about 112 of them were positive. Eight of eight to 10 of them were interesting. Mm -hmm. I won't even say negative. <laughs> people it was interesting you know um if it was something negative it was like oh it's a another black family the black word was in almost everything yeah it wasn't that it was somebody that was just i recognize that this is a great opportunity that not a lot of people get to to have mm -hmm. and so sometimes you know your opportunity is the reason why slavery happened yeah. everybody was stolen some right. of us and we, as a people, need to be better about supporting each other. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, but that comes from exposure. And that's a normal human trait. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, no, that, yeah. And I think that, like I said, what you're doing is you're giving people, even when you talk about the foreign exchange student, nine times out of ten, people are thinking, people are coming here, right? Like someone wants to come to America and that's what you think. You don't think that the opportunities that we have to be able to see the world for free and they're not advertising it to us to intentionally, like we know that. But once you know that there's an opportunity and you know that, no, that you can do this, then yeah. it you know it's up to us to be able to continue to spread that to other people and to be like hey like if your child wants to do this let them go do that let them like these are the things like we just have to not keep everything to ourselves so the fact that you are sharing it and allowing people to be be able to see it to give it the exposure is exactly what people need um so what have you learned about yourself during this journey that you didn't know before did you hear that ad at the beginning of the show if you're a business owner looking to expand your reach, you can promote your company or product with a host read pre-row or mid-row ad by me on the Slang self Doubt podcast. If you want more information, email info at FeliciaWallace.com. That's info at FeliciaWallace.com. Now, back to the show. Ooh, so much. <laughs> I didn't know that... Um that I was as strong and equally as sensitive mm. as I am. And that I had to embrace both. I had people tell me all the time, oh, you're too nice. And I had to not allow them to encourage me to let environments change who I am. Mm. And that takes boldness. People think, yeah. oh, you know, you're, you're, you're too nice. Because sometimes, um, and I've had like apprentice interns, people working for me, people, you know, working under me. I believe in part of the nonprofit is we, we hire everywhere, equal opportunity employer. 
Yeah. But you have a focus on empowering women of color Mm -hmm. and people of color. And so I intentionally, especially if you're in international spaces, again, Taiwan, my majority of my entire crew, I'd say 90% was Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. You know, here in Singapore, I'm working with some brilliant uh, local Singaporean production teams. I am intentional about giving internships to young women who want to be in this space, or some of them would want to be uh, entertainment lawyers mm-hmm. who otherwise would never have the opportunity because being on the business side makes you a better advisor as an attorney. I've had that. And I've had some situations where, you know, you pour into people because people always talk about like mentees getting taken advantage of and people mm. you know, like misusing people and only having a set agenda for what they want. There's a lot of mentee and men, well, mentor abuse that goes yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so not really appreciate what you're really giving them mm-hmm. and I had to not let that in my journey of being a mentor and my journey of being an employer um not allow that to to, to change yeah. how I approach developing young people and developing young women and I'm I, people tell you all the time if you contact me and like, I want you to mentor me, even though I've written books, because I felt like I, the reason why I wrote Fabulous, Faithful and Free was because I couldn't mentor everybody. So I poured it all into a book. Right. But even at that, if you contact me on a good day, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, let's set up monthly meetings. I'm just going to, because I really do believe that none of us succeeds in a bubble. It's the reason why mm-hmm. I started Dress for Success in London and, and in Chattanooga. I've learned along the way, um, that when you really operate with your hand open and you give it mm. so much comes back to you in return. Yeah. You hold on to it. Doors remain closed. But then I also learn to be strong, mm-hmm. to not let the outside nays affect you for what it is that you were called to do. And if you allow someone to speak away your intuition, your gut, your blessing, whatever that conference call that it was just you and God. Yeah you know, allow them into the Zoom meeting. It was not on that call. Yeah. Um, allow them to speak and to change. And it doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Who miss out on your blessing. It took a, a minute for my husband to catch you. Oh. Just being honest, yeah. you know, and he loves me dearly. But it took him a minute to be like, oh, there's ministry and pageantry. Mm-hmm. He just thought, he was like, do you need another crown? Why are you continuing to <laughs> buy another gown, you know? And, and why are we doing this? And, and sometimes in all things, I rem- I'm reminded of my autonomy and my uniqueness in the purpose in which I was put here on earth. Yeah, yeah. And that it is always going to be there. And whether people join the bandwagon on the outset, whether they appreciate because sometimes people jump ship too early, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a generation where delayed gratification and, you know, that concept, yeah. a dream is not something that is embraced. But if you stay the course and you don't give up just before you about to jump ship or abandon, or I had a, one time I had an intern, um, she had this boyfriend who was like constantly nagging her and family members that you've been in Taiwan all this time. You've been filming all this. What do you have to show for it? Because it took a long, we did a development. Like yeah. you take a new idea, you develop it for a year, you film it for a year. Concepts, by the time you see them, it's been two years. Mm. So greenlit that concept. Yeah. Just, but it took two years. But it was a, a boyfriend and family was like, oh, you've missed, you know, basketball games and so-and-so had a soccer meet and you weren't there. And, you know, what do you have to show for what you're doing? And I'm like, None of these people have any accolade under their belt whatsoever, but you're going to let them speak to you yeah. and make you feel as though what you're sowing into, which is really yourself and your future, mm-hmm. that is nothing. And now, you know, and so sometimes what I've learned really is to stay your course. Yeah. Regardless of what, how it looks, when you really know what you know, and that's what any small business, um, any new initiative that you're going to do, People thought I was I was crazy, you know, but now I have so many conversations and so many, you know, now everybody sees it. You know, right. now, <laughs> like now I'm hot all on, you know, right. and 
there are a lot of opportunities and different ways in which this can play out and it's still in the works on how it will play out. But the fact that as, you know, I'm solidified as a producer that I can create this and do this. Yeah. And there are some doors that are open, not only for this program, but for future programs that we have and all these different things that are that are in the pipeline. So biggest thing is not giving up on yourself and not allowing any outside situation to change who you are at your core, because it will try to make you mean when you're not mm-hmm. bitter when you're happy uh sad when you should feel like rejoicing and it's other people's ideas and thoughts of what you should be doing don't ever let somebody tell you what you should be doing they've never done what you're doing yeah i'm telling yeah. you I, I, every every single time i'm always kind of like <laughs> you know the lord just be knowing exactly when things need to be said when interviews need to be had and um this was i mean you know this everything that you said was spot on right like one of the things that um you definitely shared about like not letting other people talk you out of your purpose and your vision and um there's lots of times where i've had to learn over this the course of this time of just like it's okay to ask for feedback it's a different thing to ask people what they think, right? You ask people what they think, then you're allowing them to insert their opinion. And if you are not strong enough in your belief and in your vision and in your faith, their opinion can sway you to be like, well, maybe I really shouldn't be doing that versus everybody gets feedback. Restaurants get feedback. Are they changing their menu? Probably not. And here's the thing. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. That was a pivotal thing like maybe two years ago um, because everybody's feedback, people sometimes don't know the difference between feedback and hating. And you mm-hmm. think that it's two different things, but you also have to be careful of the source that you ask yeah. for because, you know, and I learned that the hard way in the sense that I, I had a, a friend, I'm doing air quotes, somebody right. <laughs> I had a friend who as soon as I and, I, and this person I've been their lawyer mm. for a very long time, they were in the entertainment space. And as soon as I stepped out of being the entertainment lawyer to being the entertainer, their feedback to me was riddled in jealousy. Mm. Riddled in, it was a difference between a critique and someone who's just really trying to deter you. Yeah, yeah. Because critiques are helpful, you know. You need them. You need them. And when I tell somebody, if someone asks me, you know, what did you think about this? Here's what I liked. Here's what I think you can do different. But it's not a, it's not a, you need to stop. Here's how I think you can get better. Yeah. Actual information that can make you better. Not a, like this one person told me when I first, I had a talk show uh, on Facebook watch. It's a legal talk show called Legal Notion. And we did like current events with a legal twist and pop culture. So like when uh, Aretha Franklin died mm. without a will, we talked about it. Yeah. It hot then we talked about the importance of a will and we brought an expert in. It tells about will and, wills in the state for black people. Right. You know, um, how to survive a police stop was our first uh, episode. When Cardi B stopped going on the tour with Bruno Mars. Okay, let's talk about maternity leave. Mm-hmm. What are our rights? You know, so we, it was like that. This person told me, now, mind you, I am now, I, and this is this is when you have to know what you know, what you know, and be yeah. able to have discernment between helpful information and hateful information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, because people get the word of God says that jealousy is crueler than the grave, and who can stand before envy? Yeah, that means serious things out there. People have to deal with that. I often tell people that mostly to pray more that they're not a tool and being used by the enemy and actually mm-hmm. not open. To, to that more often. Yeah. This person actually had the audacity, and I've known this person for a very long time, but it was okay for me to be their entertainment lawyer. I don't think that they wanted me in the to be the entertainer for yeah. whatever reason. And this, this person had the nerve to tell me I didn't look like a star. They were like, well, your show is okay, but you don't like star. The one thing she knows, honey, is that she's cute, okay? I clean up well, and what you're not gonna do is tell this former Miss World International and I don't have star power. That's what you're not going to do. Not, I'm sorry, referring to myself in third person. Okay. <laughs> she that much. Um, no. And, 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 but 
I it was hurtful because yeah. this was my friend. And I think sometimes we often know when it's coming from a positive place mm-hmm. and when it's not. But it's one of those things where you have to get over the hurt and disappointment of everybody not being willing. Yeah. On your journey, and everybody that's not meant to. Yeah. God had to go with me on that too, because the different levels that you're going to go, people say that all the time. Everybody's not really meant to go. That's real. It is. It's very real. It's very real. Yeah. And the, the, the key word that you said, yeah, the key word that you said is the discernment, right? There's lots of time where we ignore that that gut feeling or that that the Holy Spirit telling you like this ain't the one, this ain't you, but you're gonna keep playing around because sometimes it's loyalty. Sometimes it's well, we've been friends for forever, or they would never, or you know, all of these things that we tell ourselves until they they really show up. And you know, I have learned over the years to just ask God to send me my people whatever that means and whatever like you said earlier um be mindful when you say Lord use me right because you don't know what that's going to look like and him using you could look like you walking away from an opportunity or walking away from relationships in order to get to where he needs you to get to um we just want the Lord use me in the positive give me all the things right continue to put the blessings on me but if the if if some of the using is okay you this is what you need to learn from this situation and from this relationship we don't want that we want to be like well that can't be how he using me for this relationship to not be where it's supposed to be or my friend and with the air quotes you know being nasty nice nasty or or just flat out like not wanting to support me like where did that come from but we asked him we asked him and you asked him for growth opportunities and to grow but you don't want to be pruned because mm. the pruning is painful. Yeah. Everybody, everybody talks about pruning and growth and oh, cut them. That's, that sounds great. And it sounds theoretical to somebody that you really love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not meant to go. Yeah. And in this particular season, that doesn't mean you have to cut that person out completely, or you may need to, but you may not even have to, it just yeah. may be lonely. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples, thousands of followers, but only three people were on the mountaintop yeah. when he got, destination where he needed to go yeah and that didn't mean that the rest of them didn't love him that didn't mean that the rest of them were bad people you know it just meant that that's the journey yeah and it does get people off to say oh it gets lonely at the top um it it does but i don't know that for certain because i haven't reached my top yet right yeah so i don't even know what that looks like because i think we're always going and i was gonna say i would i would have to say that that depends like you said it depends on what your top looks like and it doesn't have to it doesn't yeah. like if you're if you're clear about what your assignment is and you're clear about who your people are that's supposed to go with you you won't be lonely there is no because one we're not meant to do life alone so that doesn't even make sense right it can't there's no way i can be up here and everybody's supposed to be beneath me that doesn't that that's not even how it's supposed to work that's the ego response. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the ego response to decisions and, you know, the pruning process. Oh, well, then it's just lonely at the top. I'm not lonely. Right. I don't, you know, free is enough. Right. It just you have to reshape your mind as to what feels whole. Yeah. Unless you need a squad of 20 or you need two that's really down. Right. You know? you, Listen, you need- I look at the fact that Oprah got Gail and Stedman. Okay. And she is just fine. Yeah, it's fine. And, and I and it's quality yeah. over quantity. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it made me reevaluate what who I was pouring into and where was I spending my my time into folks. And then I had some people who were real ride or dies that didn't want anything from me. Yeah. Wasn't attached to anything that I was doing, but the people that actually showed up and I I even this year I had a well, it was October last year, I had an aha moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my, my grandmother passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. I do, oh, thank you. Who I adore. Like I'm named after her. Her middle name is Juanita. Mm-hmm. I swear we're the same person. <laughs> Just in a different body. My grandmother is me. Like she meant everything to me. And my only prayer during the entire pandemic was God, don't take her mm. during this month because I couldn't get home. Yeah. And by 90 when we moved to Taiwan and I really felt like, like the pandemic took the last two years and I can't get it back. And I'm yeah. like, nervous about it and I'll work through my grief but um when she passed it was interesting 
the people that actually went out of their way mm. to come see me, check on me. And there are people that I had known for 20 some odd years that poured into greatly that, you know, you, you get the strong friend and you're the yeah. strong friend. Mm-hmm. Check in on the strong friend. Yeah. There were some people that rose to the occasion that had been in my life, but I never really poured into in terms of time the way I was. Yeah. And I really had to check myself like, okay, Juanita, what are you doing in terms of your value Mm. on your friendships, on people? And it's a, you know, it was life changing. And these are my folks that I travel with now. They don't have anything to do with With what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's the best relationship. Yeah. And I think that that will just change. And, and as you start to grow into your who you are becoming and who you are evolving into those relationships will you will see that you will see the people that are supposed to be there and the people who ain't supposed to be there. Trust and believe they will roll out some way or another. So let's talk about all things purpose production. Um, we talked a little bit about it. Yes, I love it. Um, and so um yeah, tell tell the people about purpose to production or like everything that you all what you all do. I know you said it's a nonprofit, which is not normal. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so yes. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I did it that way because um for future purposes of fundraising and really wanting to give other people a chance to get their narratives out there. And so when you talk about crowdfunding and fundraising for film, if you're a nonprofit, everything that everybody spends with you is, is a write-off. Right, yeah. So a type of incentive for people to support. I wanted it all to be mission-based in terms of not just creating and just doing just to do it, but like our, our subtitle is Create on Purpose. And what does it mean to really create something on purpose, be intentional about the things that we put out there? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like anything from pageants to to performing without purpose is pointless. You know, yeah. there's no point to it. So we we are purposeproduction.org. Um, people can go on there, find out about us, donate to us. Uh, we I also created purposestreaming.com. And that is something that's very new. Toward the end of this year, we're going to open that platform up specifically for Black content makers or travel. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I created my own streaming platform in June, Juneteenth of last year. I launched it just for the show that I have because there were so many people. Amazon Prime is great. You know, it's in the U.S., it's in the U.K. But if you live in Portugal you or you live it. in South Africa, yeah, you right, can't yeah, see yeah. so many people. Because it's an international show, so many people that were like, okay, well, where can we see it? Especially people in Taiwan, people in Singapore. My film crew here just asked the other day, like, okay, where can we see the show? Right. <laughs> they were like, this is getting really interesting. You know, like, where can we see the first season again? Right, yeah. Um, and so, but in creating that, I, I thought about how we are compensated mm. and how we receive compensation on different platforms, whether it's YouTube or Tubi or whatever. You, and you have, and, and really even being on, on Amazon opened my eyes up a little bit too, to how we are compensated as creators. Yeah. Because you have people who are on YouTube with, you know, 300,000 followers. And, you know, they may be, may be making like two, $3,000 a month on their content, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. from YouTube. The structure constantly changes. You never really know what you're going to make, but you're doing a lot of work yeah. for an interesting return. But what if you took those 300,000 people and they were willing to pay $1 a month for your content? I think mm. they would be willing to do it. And what if you had a platform that was already made, that was already there, everybody, somebody had already done all the lead work that didn't want to take a percentage of that. Yeah. Just wants you to put your content on there, eat what you kill. You know, that's, I, it came from being a lawyer. Yeah. And you start your own practice. You're either at a large law firm, you make them a whole lot of money and you may get like a hundred thousand dollars salary. But when you see your billables, you build out. Billables. <laughs> right. You like, wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> is that equitable but when what i learned from being an attorney when you hang your own shingle you open your own firm and sometimes in partnership with other people you eat what you kill yeah and sometimes it's a better it's it's a better process because you're working just as hard Mm -hmm. but if if you brought just say you brought a tenth of those followers you have three hundred thousand subscribers let's say thirty thousand of them said hey i'm going to be on this new platform almost like patreon yeah you know but the difference is is that we own it 
There's no one that's going to tell you, you can't do this, or I want a percentage of that. Right. or Take you, know, you off if it's not, it doesn't off, meet their know, guidelines. Yeah. You know, randomly, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. But what if for 99 cent, you got 30,000 people and you were able to keep it all. You don't have to worry about the platform. It already exists. The back end of it all mm-hmm. is already there. When we start creating an our own and owning our own opportunities and creating our own opportunities. You don't have to wait for somebody to tell you, oh, I think your travel vlog is worthy of being on a street Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to wait for someone to put you on. So it could be, you know, I'm particular about travel and black travel because I know the transformation in the mind that that gives. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, you know, have a, a soft spot for that, but it can grow into a number of different areas as advertisements grow. I think it's unfair for so many advertising dollars to be making so many people so much money yeah. and then the real people do the work to get such a small percentage of that. Yeah. But I have that lens because I'm a creative. Yeah. And I'm not a business person creating a business model for the sake of it. And when you're a nonprofit, you can create models that empower others economically mm-hmm. as, a, as well, not just theoretically. Because, you know, empowerment, we love to throw that around. Yeah. Empower people and folks are still broke. That's right. not empowering. Yeah, that you that is that is very very true. I love that. It, I think one of the other things that in and having this conversation with you, and you said that you taking all the pieces of you, right? The the actress, the author, the attorney, and you've created something that is going literally going to build a legacy for you, for your family, and carry on. Like this is something that will continue out, and the the amount of people that you will impact by doing this then will allow for other people to think outside the box. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and that's the, that's really what it is when God gives us a purpose of what, what it is that we're supposed to do is to be able to show other people that it's possible. And so I, I have been telling people, thank you for your obedience. So I'm going to tell you the same thing. Thank you for your yes, because if you had, had not, and if you had decided, no, I'm going to just stay with my good, good, good job over here and, I wait till you come back boo and then we you know we figure it out or let me can I work from over here and do that like however we try to maintain it so we can keep the quote-unquote normalcy of a situation um but you took a chance you 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 took your 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 big leap and it is paying off thank you I appreciate that and um that means a lot because there there are days because you said when the self-doubt come in, it comes in every day. It just depends on what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it does, it's always a, it's a walk of faith. Yeah, A lot of things are not solidified and known when you have to do things and you don't always see the future. Yeah. And it's really a faith walk. Yeah, sometimes. absolutely. So, with me. so I'm, I'm willing to listen, keep- run it back. When, when has yeah. he ever, when has he ever failed? Not, not, yeah. not a one. Okay. Yeah. So deeper water and I start overthinking it and I start sinking. I just keep my eyes focused on the purpose and it, and it works every single time. And God's yes. record has never let me down yeah. and more than I could have even imagined. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have really thought um, five years ago when I had this idea for the show that we would have even been on the ballot for the Emmy nomination. Yeah. Like you know, you wouldn't have been someone had told me all of this, I would have thought they're no, crazy. You're tripping. Like this, that's but not it, happening. <laughs> but it, it seemed, did. It did. And it seemed so normal mm-hmm. for me to think that way at the time when God gave me those those thoughts. It didn't yeah. seem out of the box until I stepped back and looked at it, like, oh, I guess that is, huh. Well, that's because, like you said, it wasn't a conference call. That's your vision. So whatever he put put on your heart, whatever he sent to you, it was only for you. And um, you, you are you're living it. You're living it out. You're doing exactly what it is that he's called you to do. And I'm sure that there's more more to come. So uh, Juanita, thank you so much for joining us. I truly, truly appreciate it. Please let the people know how they can connect with you, where they can see the show, all the things. Absolutely. So right now the show is on Amazon Prime US and Amazon UK. Um, it's also on PurposeStreaming.com. So PurposeStreaming.com. Um, it's also on a Roku channel, Genre TV, which is owned by two African-American women who are also trying to change the way 
Yes, we are partnering because we got to work together. Yeah. And they're also trying to change the way um, content creators are able to control and stay in ownership of their narrative. So, and I'm 100% in support of anyone that's trying to do that. Absolutely. They're also creating their own nonprofit. So, you know, sisters have to come together yeah. and, and we're more powerful together than we are apart. Um, you can reach me. I am Juanita Ingram is my handle on all social media. It's my website. I am Juanita Ingram.com. Um, and, and that's, yeah, purpose streaming and purpose production. Purposeproduction.org is the website. Okay. Which um, is that as well. And the show, the expatshow.com, but you can go to expat show um, on all social media. It's there as well. And so, Hopefully, you know, soon this year, season two will will drop. Um, we'll discuss and we're still discussing what platforms and opportunities in terms of distribution that that has. Yeah. Those different things open up, but we'll we'll see. We'll see yes. what the future is. I am excited and I will definitely put all that information in the show notes so people can go see it and so they can watch it. They can support you. They can um, use that time to really just let their minds explore things that we likely have never seen before. You know what I mean? But um, it's definitely an opportunity for people to be able to um, wonder. And that a lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times we don't wonder, we don't dream. We it's hopeful and that you know that's a good feeling that's a that's a really good good feeling i pray so that's that's the the goal you know in in life and so i i appreciate all of your support thank you so much for creating this platform and talking about these issues that need to be discussed and giving people like myself the opportunity to share with so many so thank you for having me oh you are so welcome All right, y'all, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Remember to head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow me at Slaying Self Doubt. Oh, wait, don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch this episode. And remember to press the subscribe button. Until next week, see ya.